0: what is up
1: everybody welcome back to down a
0: break this is episode number 33 larry bird i'm here with the best host in philadelphia that i know mr dean zeldich how we doing
1: how many people have hosted you in philadelphia before me
0: um, I believe the answer to that is one. Okay, so I'm i
1: pretty good then.
0: You're you're pretty you're pretty pretty good. We're coming back from another nice weekend over in Philadelphia. We had a visitor, Mister Daniel Murphy, a very fond fan of the podcast. Thank you for the support there. Yeah, I felt like it was uh it was a solid weekend of brotherly love. We mm-hmm. needed that. Mm-hmm. We didn't go too crazy. We drank a little bit. You know, what was really great about the trip, and this is a highlight for me, was getting back out on the court. We started it nice and easy with some hand feeding, but we were both, this is me and you, we were both able to get a nice workout in, even though I'm still kind of a cripple.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought it was really solid. I mean, you actually went harder with the physical side of things. You know, I saw you doing a lot of drills on the sideline you were you were going hard you were sweating you were it it was physical work for you i feel like for me it was a little more like the mental stuff that i needed to work on Mm -hmm. slow feeds kind of trying to generate my own pace think about what i'm doing wrong some video work it was it was good it was good stuff all around keep in mind this is the first time that you and i have been on the court together in possibly seven to eight months Yeah. I mean, I thought that just you and I stepping on a court together was climactic. It was happiness. You know what I'm saying? It was happiness. It was joy. It was peace. It was right. But to all the haters that kept telling us that our friendship is only tennis, it was (laughs) not. There's nothing to say to them now. There's nothing to say. that You have nothing
0: to say. Um, Anyway, you know, we're we're here in November. It's like no, Thanksgiving's around the corner. It's holiday season. It's kind of a... You know, it's like the only off-season-ish type you have for the players. I see Tommy Paul's glugging some Modellos. He's not playing tennis anymore for the rest of the year. He's skiing in Colorado. He's skiing with Paige. But we still had the Paris Masters, which was fun. We've got the ATP Finals. The women ATP Finals, the the WTA Finals was a disaster. So let's just get right into
1: it. Let's do it. All right, let's start us off with the Cancun WTA finals. To those of you who don't know, it's similar to what's going on right now with the men. There's two groups, four in each group. It's the top uh, ranking eight players in the world. And this was a disaster of a tournament, complete disaster with the weather. I mean, it was just like rain nonstop. Wins that are borderline unplayable, and this led to really, really poor level of play. I mean, I watched a good bit of it, and there were just no good points. Rallies were just, you know, revolved around trying to get the ball in play. I mean, imagine imagine to the viewers, like, nobody wants to watch that. Yeah. Yeah, and like, uh, and also, it's like we've all played in horrendous conditions. I mean, I can like think of you know March tennis outside when you just have to go play when season is just starting, and it's a disaster. Yeah. You're, so, so I, I felt for them. Um, I think that ultimately, it's interesting that you know the the players who you would expect to make it through the group stage, that being Magula and Coco and then Sabalenka and Iga, those are the players that made it through. And that's what we got. I still think the highlight for me was when Goff absolutely destroyed Jabor 0-1. Breadstick. I have no love for Jabor. Jabor get wrecked. Get wrecked. Pegula went to beat Coco in the semis, making it to the finals just to get absolutely destroyed by Ega, who did not drop a single set this tournament. I mean, Ega beating Pagula O-1 in the finals is is quite it's, a statement. It's menacing. And we were talking about how
0: Iga had kinda not cooled off, but she wasn't as much in the headlines
1: as she once was. And this is her being like, suck it. Suck it. And I'm back to being number one in the world. I mean, she's she's got the, the year end number one ranking and now let me comment on that because
0: Sabalenka had the whole thing about being number one after losing in the U.S. Open final, didn't she? She got a trophy for it. It was this weird thing about she
1: just lost the U.S. Open final, but she's number one. I don't know. Do they just give you a trophy for the first time you become number one? Because that was her first time. I thought it was her clinching the
0: world number one at the end of the year, but clearly that's not the case because it's Iga.
1: No, yeah, it's clearly it's clearly Iga. Iga's number one. I mean, Iga... So if anybody just becomes number one on the women's side, they get a trophy? I didn't think so, but I mean, I don't know if they care about trophies that much. I mean, I feel like they have, they must have like rooms full of trophies. Like think about from from, from the time that they were juniors. Think about how many trophies like Nadal and Djokovic have. Like, where
0: do they store them? They got to buy storage rooms. You know, it's like they don't have sneaker
1: closets like like I do, but they've got trophy closets. Yeah, they probably don't have that many shoes. They probably have like two pairs. They can't afford the space. Mm Mm-hmm. But anyway, you know, we got we got Coco securing her number three spot. She's a solid two thousand five hundred points behind Sabalenka though at number two. So, you know, it's not, I think it's not close. It's not close. It's it's Iga, Sabalenka, and then all the rest right now in the ranking. But you know, I'm happy for Iga. I think that when it came down to it, despite the conditions, despite the mental challenges, she came on top. And, you know, to that we say GG. And she did talk a lot of shit about the tournament. There's, I mean,
0: she talked shit and still won, which is like. Which is a Novak Djokovic move. It is. It is. It's it's kind of a beast move. But there needs. I mean, what what can we what could the WTA do about this? Nothing. So that
1: I mean, other than do you blame yours. Right. Do you blame him for choosing Cancun? No, you can say that about any venue. You, you never know when the storm hits. It's just, I think that, I don't know. I actually find it kind of strange that the WTA didn't try to find.
0: Correction, ATP, not WTA. Love you, Dean.
1: At outdoor location for, for the men's too. I mean, the, the indoor is great, but. It's I been indoors like it's, forever. Yeah, so, so at that point, just say, it's it just luck of the draw. I mean, it's not a good weather
0: season. Obviously, we're November, December. Like, that's must be why the ATP
1: has it indoors. I mean, you got to take it to the tropics. That's the only way. Take it to the tropics, to the tropics.
0: Of- which is that's- more susceptible to bad weather. Right, right, but
1: also to good weather. I'm
0: not a, um, I'm not a meteorologist. You're also not a mathematician. I'm not a mathematician, nor am I really a dependable guy. But I don't think, I think we should move it all indoors. All tennis should be indoors. We should completely eliminate outdoor tennis. Correct. No, just the year end. Just the year end. Speaking of indoor tennis. Let's move on to the Masters in Paris. The Paris Masters is a fun tournament. I've been there. Dean, you've been there. I have not been there. We're trying to go to Paris together at some point. We're trying to go to Paris more often. I think to me, like looking back at this tournament, it's all about Grigor. And I, and it's, maybe it's crazy to say this, you know, because Novak won. But Grigor was such a standout. He had all these incredible wins. The guy beats Medvedev. The guy beats Hubie Hercoc, his very good friend. He beats Shitsipas, who is suddenly good at tennis again with this bad short haircut. And then he gets to the final, and you're like, Come on, Grigor, do it for the people. Do it for yourself. You're playing the best tennis of your life and just loses in straights. And he was crying. He was crying. And I completely understand. He is feeling we are all feeling the way he is. You know, the guy is has one of the best tournaments of his career. It didn't matter. He got to the giant at the top. And the giant at the top just crumbled him up into pieces like a chips ahoy.
1: I think, I think Grigor should be ecstatic with this tournament. I mean, Massetti in the first round is a very tough draw. Then Medvedev in three, which is quite, quite a battle for him to be able to beat Medvedev indoors. And then he got crushed Bublik two and two. Then very tough match against Herkatz. I mean Herkatz on h- indoor hard has got to be an absolute hurdle to get past. But but Herkatz with a serve, I, I, don't, I don't know how you can break him. Yeah. You know, and then and then pas who is unfortunately back, you know, taking him in three in, in the semis is, is very interesting. I mean, we knew that Grigor had no chance against Novak in the finals. I told you that. I told you. He has no chance. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have enough weapons against Novak. You just cannot beat him by playing very consistent tennis. They just it just can't be done.
0: The weapons were there throughout the tournament, though. He was showing the weapons. The backhand down the line it was insane. He was looking really nice
1: at net. The serve was working, but you just it, need more against Novak. I mean, Novak hasn't lost since he since Akras beat him in Wimbledon. Not a single loss. Not a single loss. So, you were right about this, that loss actually working in Novak's favor. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't even understand. Like, it's, he only played 12 events this whole year and he's number one by a landslide. He's just the best by so much that I can't. He only help played but 12 events. I hate him. I'm such a hater with Novak. Yeah. Just like pickleball. <laughs> what do you hate more? I hate pickleball more. That's a At good least. fan
0: mail question right there. That's a great fan mail question. That's an impossible question. That is really an impossible question. But yeah, Novak, I mean, he's 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 too good right now. Going back to that Medvedev-Grigor match, that was one of the highlights of the tournament. I mean, Medvedev saves six match points. And you're like, is Grigor really going to blow this? Grigor still pulls it out, which I think is probably... One of the most mentally difficult things to do in a tennis match, we've all been there where we blow match points and our minds are just racing. Oh, my God, am I really going to blow this? Because you blow the first one, you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to blow this. Then they keep coming, they keep coming. And for him to still pull it off is just like a miraculous showing of mental grit. And then on the other side of the court, you've got Medvedev, who is smashing rackets. He's playing points with broken rackets. He's screaming at his coach, who's wearing a Miami heat hat inexplicably. And you're seeing this complete polar opposites on the court of displaying the mental side of tennis, which is such
1: a spectrum. I mean, Mevin really put on a show that match with his behavior. I mean, he he's just, he's, he's still kind of a lunatic. And I still think that him, You know, he flipped the crowd off, and then later was like, no, i was just checking my nails. And you kind of can't help but, like, laugh and and kind of have some sympathy for him. He's just so human, and there's no – he, like, doesn't really, like, hide anything. He's not like Nick Kyrgios when he's, like, so up in his face about it, in our face about it, but I think that –
0: Right, they're both rude, though. It's – like, him flipping off the fans is – is, is rude. Yeah, it's rude. For some reason, I mean, Medvedev does get... It doesn't get nearly as much hate, obviously, as Kyrgios. But he's still more likable. Yeah. I know, that was that was just a crazy match. Um, and struck me because the game is so goddamn mental. It's so mental. You know, yeah. coming from PT, too. I just had PT. It's so mental coming back from, from an injury like this. Because right now... And I was telling my physical therapist about how when we were on the court, you were just so scared the whole time of me doing anything. Realistically, I can do more than what my mind thinks I can do right now, and I think that's been the case through every single step. And it's just all mental.
1: I was proud of you on the court, though, with you not taking any risks. Yeah,
0: I am disciplined, which is which is smart to do. But life is very mental. That's a different question. We we're
1: not going to get into that right now.
0: Okay, moving on.
1: I do think we should talk about the ATP Finals. Before we get to the ATP Finals, I wanted to talk about the the American
0: Men in Paris because there's a movie, and the movie is called An American in Paris. Yes, An American in Paris. Yes, it's it's a beautiful film from the 1950s, starring Gene Kelly. It doesn't seem like any of these American men saw this film because they decided to get to Paris and just take a large dump on the tennis court. The men went three in nine. And I'm happy to go through every single match because it's an embarrassment. Okay, Tommy loses to Van de Zanschelp in the second round. He's complaining about money, how he's losing money because he loses the match. Tiafo loses first round to Bublik. Shelton. Loses to Fakina. Mind you, these are not easy matches, but you'd think one of these guys would break through. Fritz loses to Altmaier in the second round. Chris Eubanks, Wimbledon quarterfinalist, loses to Griegspor. Corda loses to Hercotch. Jerome loses to Umber. It's just like, I don't know what to say. It's just disappointing. There's the, the success in American tennis right now is so sporadic. It's just on a woman's side. It's really just the women's side where we're seeing consistent results.
1: And that's been for that's been like that for years. For years. The the men have not been able to produce a solid top ten player. I don't think Fritz comes because he's not.
0: Yeah. We we like last year at this time, you know, after he wins Indian Wells, it's like Fritz is the guy. Tiafo yeah. makes it to the semis of the US Open last year. We're like, oh, 2023 is gonna be a big
1: year for X, Y, and Z. Nope. Nope, and when I when I say like give me a top ten player, I'm I don't need like a Novak, but I think a guy like Rublev, who's a right. solid top ten player, a guy like even Runa, who's a solid, like you know, just give me something that's consistent that like will consistently be in the quarters. Yeah, it's just it was tough to see. It's a round of sixty four draw, right? Mackenzie McDonald and and Tommy Paul making it the furthest, and that's round of thirty two.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you had 64 guys, and I feel like 10 or so of them were Americans, and no one got past the second round.
1: All aboard the Pagula Golf Train. Yeah, yeah, we're just going to ride that train all night. Let's get to the ATP Finals, where we are recording after the second day of matches. Once again, you have two groups. Group stage, everybody plays everybody, and then you got semis. There is a lot of money, a lot of points, even in the group stage per win. Mm Mm-hmm. Novak yesterday taking out Runa in an incredible match. Three sets, seven six six seven six three. It was really anybody's match, and then at three two, Novak finally broke Runa and uh, physically just it was just he close. ran away with it. Yeah, yeah, he ran away with that, which is so interesting to me. I mean, Runa is how old? Like twenty. And Novak is 36, and he's still physically so much superior to him. Even though Runa has much bigger legs than him. I mean, Runa has straight-up tree trunks. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Size doesn't matter. I guess I guess size does not matter. It's the motion of the ocean. It's how you use it. Yeah. But Novak is just so, so solid, and um secures his end-of-the-year world number one ranking, gets a trophy. I'm sure he's going to keep that trophy instead of his shoes again. (laughs) And um, on the other side, you know, the same group, Sinner, was very smooth against Shitsipas. Just finishing him in straights, I think, setting a statement because I think think Sinner is that guy to come up and try to challenge whoever's at the top. And I'll be very interested to see Sinner play Novak and how that's going to go. On the other on the other group today, you had Zverev against Alcaraz in the morning. Akaraz taking that first set seven-six. This six. was a great match. This was a great match. And then Zverev just stepped it up. He was facing some break points in the second set. Akaraz almost kind of like ran away with it. And then Zverev was able to come through with the break and get that second set. And pretty much same same thing happened. The third, I think some question marks regarding Alcaraz's play. He's on a
0: three-match losing streak right now.
1: Yeah. Including
0: that loss to Seth Fulham.
1: You know, we can talk about his health, but I think right now, I think what I take from that match is how solid Zverev was. He's just blank, very clean, very few errors, able to get past Alcaraz on both sides, covering the drop shots really well. I mean, it was clinical from Zverev, I thought. He had some incredible passing
0: shots, too. Yeah. His backhand pass on the run is is really incredible. I, I I always thought like his back I mean his back end is way better than his forehand. Yeah. But his his back end is one of the best in the world. And you know, he kind of can look awkward around the court. He's a lanky guy. He's got that horrible horrible hair right now. It's horrendous. Oh my god. But somehow these these passes just find the court. And Alcaraz is left there being like uh, Usually G-G. people are stunned G-G. by yeah. People are usually stunned by his shots, but yeah, like that. looks really good he looks really good and i i kind of want him to be here personally like i think he has belonged in this top oh, yeah five to ten conversation i and mean think about the out. level
1: yeah think about the level he was producing before the injury it was an yeah. incredible level yeah
0: this is where he belongs I'm, I'm happy to see him here even though there's a lot of shit going around about him right now off the court it, it's a lot of it's it's uh, of course all he said she said but I guess he does a good job of uh, leaving that off the court, letting the racket do
1: the talking. Yeah, his girlfriend's really tatted up, though. Yeah, I like those tats. Second match of the day today was Medvedev against Rublev. I mean, Medvedev just has his number. You know, it's just it's seven two head to head now. He just really quickly manhandled them, and Rublev was just left kind of like I don't know if it was like more like crying, more whining. Is he crying? Wasn't crying. It was like his face had like complete devastation on it. So <laughs> I it's don't just, know. That's
0: the thing about the group stage. You could lose the first match. You can get crushed by your boy four and two, and still win the next two. And you know I don't, don't know. Do I do. I think Rublev is going to beat Alcaraz and Zverev. No, I can. Uh, it's not the, the, these groups are so good. They're so stacked this year. We've seen some not so great groups in the past but this is just so stacked.
1: Anybody can beat anybody besides Novak.
0: Yeah, that's true. It really is crazy to me that Sisi is here after all after this year of trash. He, hung, he
1: hung in with a threat, I think. I mean, he hung in with this performance in Paris. Anyway, let's get let's talk about some fits. Hold on, before the fits, what do you, what's your prediction here? Who comes out of each each uh group? My prediction is from group A. With Novak, it's going to be Novak who's going to come out, and it's going to be Sinner. Sinner, yeah, has, that's that's kind of the obvious pick there. Well, I don't know. I mean, if Sinner, if 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 Runa beats Sinner and then beats, I can see Runa beating Sinner and set Stefanos.
0: Runa's had just such a weird topsy turvy year. I, I can't predict. Yeah, unpredictable. if
1: if he goes, I mean, if he plays the way he played yesterday, he can beat anybody.
0: By okay. the way, Nova,
1: Novak smashed two rackets yesterday, just so everybody knows. You did quote on this podcast
0: saying Novak is not a racket smasher, which we quickly, Benjamin Moffa and I were quickly
1: to correct you on that. Two rackets? Yeah. They were talking about, Prakash was talking about it today. He's like, even though he smashed two rackets, he was so quick to get his shit together and, yeah. like, sh- shut the F up. Yeah, shut the F up. Okay. On uh, the so- other side, I got Medvedev coming through, and I actually – I actually have Zverev coming through with him. I think Medvedev is going to beat Alcaraz. I like those. I I
0: don't personally see Alcaraz sweeping the rest.
1: Alcaraz is going to beat Rublev, and I think it's going to be a third a th- like a third set win for him for for Medvedev over him. And I think Zverev is going to beat Rublev too. I think Rublev is going to be left empty-handed. He'll be left with nothing left in his hands,
0: <laughs> just astray from yours. I will go Alcaraz and Zverev. I th- over
1: Medvedev is not going to make it?
0: Yeah, correct. Is that feasible? That's feasible.
1: Okay, that's my pick.
0: All right, let's go uh, fit check. Quick fit check here because I've noticed some things. Tip, uh, I've noticed some things that I haven't liked. Now, I wish I was seeing things that I did like, but the first thing was this Novak outfit that he pulls out in Paris. It's red, and then there's some, like, purple you know my mother raised me well understanding colors when you get dressed and you're a young man and things that you can things that work things that don't work anybody on the streets could look at that shirt and say this doesn't match shout, now, out, to Ruth, shout out to ruthie now novak is a multi-millionaire and the fact that nobody looked at that i mean look this is all the way from lacoste down to his wife down to his children should have said hey This doesn't work. But it took like a week. He was wearing it for several matches. Finally, he changed. It was bad. It was bad. What about Carlos's shoes? Carlos is wearing... Peach-colored shoes. He's wearing these peach Nikes with a neon green top. It's the same thing. Like, if you're not sure, call your mom, send her a mirror selfie, and say, Hey, does this match? Do you do that with your mother ever?
1: Um, My sister. Yeah, like
0: they know that women, they understand
1: it a little bit more than we do. And we can give it to them. They're smarter than us. They're smarter than us. That being said, Gregor is still the best looking guy on tour. No question about it. He looks great in
0: that color blocking and Lacoste. So I'm glad everybody got to see that. And the tears, the tears probably just made people like him even more. Yeah, I'm sure he got laid that night. Does he have a girlfriend?
1: He has a girlfriend, right? I don't know. Either way, he got laid. Yeah, he definitely did. Let's go, fan mail. First question coming from Brandon Bodega. Shout out to this random guy we met at a Philly bar. Yeah. How do you explain Akra's going on a three-match losing streak? Even in practice, he's getting worked. No,
0: first of all, shout out to Brandon because him mentioning the practice set means he's an avid Tennis TV follower on YouTube. So this man is really in it.
1: Good, Good shit, Brandon. Good shit. In terms of, you know, how we explain him going on a three-match losing streak, I think some health concerns. I think maybe he was a little bit injured. He wasn't feeling... Said he wasn't feeling great before Paris. Still don't think that explains losing to Safiulan. With Zverev, I just think Zverev played really well. And I think him losing in three sets to Alexander Zverev on indoor hard, a tournament that Zverev has won twice. One time being, you know, after beating... Roger Federer and then Novak back to back. I think there's no shame in that. That's true. So so I'm just going to I'm just going to say that like you know today's match was just there
0: being better. I think this can mostly be overlooked the three match losing streak. Like he the people have ups and downs. We talked about a little bit on the last episode about expectations being so high, but I mean it's the end of the year. There's a little bit of burnout here but he's going to be fine. And he's probably still going to win two majors next year. Next question, Daniel, next question coming in from Alex Boxberger out of San Diego. She says, it seems like you're constantly taking trips to Philadelphia. What does it have on Boston? What is tempting you to live there? Also, what do you think of curly hair? That's
1: a question to you.
0: Let's start with, with Philly. You know, I, I mean, Philly has really caught me something about Philly. Something about Dean being there, something about the bar scene, something about the food scene. The food scene is very strong. Something about the community aspect. Brotherly love. Brotherly love. There's a lot of good things there. And it's I am tempted to head over there for a bit of time for me. I just you know, I've been in Boston for forever and I think it's good to switch it up. And the Philly seems like the place to be. It's definitely not going to be in New York.
1: Yeah, Fred. Fred is gonna have to write daily emails to Marion Cricket Club. Yeah,
0: that, that, that's another thing. The tennis community there is just as strong as it is in Boston. There's beautiful tennis clubs. There's beautiful people, but yeah, Philly's got me. Um, in terms of curly hair, I I don't know if you mean like on men, on women in general. I think I like a nice jufro, a little curly hair on a guy. That's right. That's right. Curly hair with women. I'm I'm into it. It does it's very rare. It's one of those things where it's very rare. So if you see it done well, you're gonna appreciate it more.
1: Yeah. I like all those takes. Okay, thanks. Next question from Daniel Balthazar Murphy. Shout out. Thank you for coming to visit me. Where are the crackheads in Philly? Are there areas that do not have them? Should I give them my chicken?
0: They're everywhere. The crackheads are that's another thing about Philly that's got me. They're everywhere.
1: And should should he give them his chicken? Yes. That's an easy yes. Easy yes.
0: Yes. Thanks for supporting the community, Murphy. Next question. Next question coming in from Lauren Jackson out of Somerville, Massachusetts. She says, if the American public ranked their favorite sports, where do you think tennis would fall? This is a phenomenal question. Good shit, Lauren. I think that you're probably going to get some combination of football, basketball
1: at one and two. And then you're no, pro- no, it's gonna be football, baseball, then basketball, then hockey.
0: People don't like baseball.
1: I think there's a huge chunk of America that is absolutely obsessed with baseball. I still think baseball is number two ahead of basketball. Okay, so put football is king. I think football is absolute king. There's no doubt about yep. it. And then you have a comp- you have, you, know, whatever you want to say, basketball or baseball, hockey is number four. And then you have these like other slightly stranger sports like Formula 1 or NASCAR. I'm not too worried about those. I think the big 4, baseball,
0: basketball, hockey, football. You got it. you have soccer. I still, right. I still think I know.
1: soccer's soccer is over that you're probably talking tennis at number 5 or 6. I still I would say 6 I would say 7. I would say soccer at 5 and then NASCAR at number 6. I think
0: that's probably what would happen cuz you're that's... forgetting
1: about the hick community.
0: The hicks don't like tennis. They love NASCAR. Besides JJ Wolf, JJ Wolf is a hick. Like, uh, is that something that we should be, should we be targeting?
1: About? Should we be targeting the hick community more?
0: Yes, I think so.
1: Like the, the Dakotas, Wisconsin. But like, you know, maybe if we start playing some country music on the intro. Yeah, because I think that
0: people like our intro, though.
1: Next. Next question coming from Ethan Hecker. Where do you think the next A24 movie starting Nicolas Cage dream scenario will fall on your rank of A24 movies?
0: So this this is a weird film. I saw the trailer. It's actually out right now as an A24 writer. I don't really want to see it. I don't like Nick Cage. I know that it's a joke that people love Nick Cage. But Nobody likes Nicolas Cage. No, people people actually
1: like Nick Cage. I don't want to see it, but I'm going to end up seeing it. I have never seen an A24 movie. You've got to be kidding me. I also haven't seen whatever the movie you've been talking about. Strange Lives? Past Lives. Past Lives. You should watch it with a woman. I don't know any women. I only know seven. Okay. I'll email you some women that you could watch it with. Okay, great. All right, people. Thank you so much for tuning in. We know this is the best part of your week, so we, you know, we're happy to be here to provide that entertainment.
0: We definitely are, and it's Thanksgiving time, so have a great holiday.
1: Give thanks to all the tennis everywhere, and and and, and, you know when you're going around the table, like don't forget about down a break.
0: Right, people are like, "What podcast are you thankful
1: for?" We expect you to say us, and. For those of you who have down a break on your, you know, Spotify, Apple Music rap. Mm -hmm. We want to see that. We want to see that. Number one. one. If it's a number one, don't talk to us anymore. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right.
0: Peace out. Peace.